Here's the conundrum, Tim. Here's the equation that occurs to me. Politicians all want to become rich, and yet on the other side of the equation, all the rich people want to become politicians. <laughs> yes, yes. Mark, good morning. Indeed, a good morning to you too. In case we don't get a chance to get it in later, right? we only did the all blessing properly. <laughs> Just in case there's no yes. space to mention <laughs> that later. Yes, in fact, yes, yes, yes. I, was, I was watching the game thinking, please let them not get more than zero. Please let them not get more than zero. Because that's all I was going to treat. All backs, zero. They would have zero. said it all. Yes, sir, but we sure. gave them a good trap. I love it. Oh, no. Anyway, yes, let's get back to sense and current affairs and things of that nature. All right, two big things happened this past week. The BRIC conference came and went. They included a whole bunch of new members, and now they have a big problem, which is, what do they call themselves? You tell me. <laughs> oh, well, I heard they're not going to change the name BRICS. That's what I heard. Yeah. I can't imagine that all of the new Huntlangers are going to be very pleased about that, okay, the other, because <laughs> now they're the esteemed 11. Yes, yes, yeah, or yeah. Not. Obviously, I did a lot of work on new anagrams. <laughs> and uh, would you like to hear what I came up with? <laughs> oh, yes, I would. Yeah. Okay, well, well, I'm not the only one. There was like, it was a whole thing on Twitter, right? You didn't give this to chat GPT, did you? <laughs> I should have, actually. I never did. I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the one that I really like is Russia be ice. Yeah. So if we get a country with starts with N, say Nicaragua, yeah. then we can have the, the anagram Russia be nice. Ah, Think about that. You see? <laughs> You're such a forward thinker, Tim, aren't you? Eh? Yes. Yeah. I did a kind of tally of the Freedom House scores of the BRICS countries before the expansion and after the expansion. And, you know, by the Freedom House definition of what constitutes, you know, it's a very complicated formula about what is free. Do you have institutions that are free and fair, free press, elections, blah, 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 blah. So they rate all of the countries around the world. And surprise, surprise, before the expansion, BRICS were predominantly free on average. After the expansion, BRICS are predominantly not free on average. Not a yeah. huge surprise, but it does sort of show where the organization's going in a way. I mean, it's basically become a sort of quasi vehicle for people who are suspicious about America. Yeah. This is the only logic that I can see in it. Yeah. There's a sort of comfort in being in the lowest common denominator <laughs> of the world. Okay. Yeah. This is not the co lowest common denominator. <laughs> you, you know, you can't, you can't go much further down. You can't go any lower. <laughs> yeah, you can't go any lower. So, Look, I think there's some merits in it. There's some merits in sort of having trade blocks that might have a bit more weight. But, you know, where do you draw the line about who can come in? I don't think there's been a line that's drawn other than the one that you sort of the anti-West line. Yes. And that's hardly a foundation for economic prosperity or for de-dollarization. Love that word. Okay. De-dollarization. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I don't know. I think we should be cautious not to be too friendly with too many. Because if you're friends with everyone, you're friends with no one, mate. Yes. And I think China was the driver here. China drove the bus and we were all on it. Yes. And I think they've got an agenda which is not so much about all the rest of us as it might be about them. Anyway, this is above my pay grade, Tim, man. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. You sound very logical. I do think there is value in the BRICS bank. I like the idea of cross-nationality. To the extent that this embodies that sort of idea, 
you know, it's hard to be vociferously against it. But I agree with you. This is clearly China's show now. Yeah. You know, in some ways, as it should be, because they are the new top dog in this particular pack. I'm always cautious about the disintermediation of banks. Not when it comes to transactions and costs and things of that nature, but when it comes to disintermediating the proper credit function. Right. Okay. And so why do you need a state bank or a BRICS bank? Or It's because the people you want to give money to can't otherwise get it. Well, you know, where, where does that spiral yes, end up? Take it. Okay? I mean, logically, okay. Now, where do you where do you end up? Okay. Well, you end up in a place where you should rather be talking about equity investment rather than loans, okay? Because you clearly have a non-bankable entity which now seeks to get money for whatever political and non-economic reason, because it failed the tests of normal bankability. And that's not a function of a bank. Okay, that's a function of an aid organization or a... Their counter-argument would be that banks don't recognize the potential because they are historically too conservative. And that's the gap that these banks are filling. If the potential was there, capital, dis discerning capital finds potential every day. Every day, discerning capital wakes up like a rabbit out of a hatch and goes looking for you know, opportunities where the risk-return equation makes sense. You don't have to wake capital up. It's awake all the time. Man. Yeah. And so this is the issue with banks. Banks have a duty to protect depositors and members of the public somewhat innocently and in good faith give their money to banks. Right. Because and only because they properly governed and conservatively capitalized and blah, blah, blah. That's their function. And they have an obligation to lend that money out in a properly considered fashion. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be pools of capital going where the BRICS bank right. money is going to go, but it shouldn't be depositors' money. It should be government's money or it should be money which has a purpose other than earning interest and getting repaid because it's not going to happen. But you see, the trouble with banks, to finish off on this, yeah. when you make a loan, there's no upside. You either get your money back with the interest or you don't. Right. If you want risk capital, it has to have a participation in the upside, loans don't. That's why there's a difference. Let's talk about the other sort of big international event. The reason I'm raising it is because I have a great number. I'm going to ask the question. I always ask the question. I, I don't expect you to know the answers. So the question is, by how much has the price of toilet paper risen since 2021 in South Africa? Tim, you really need to go outside for a walk and come You'll be surprised that I don't know the answer. Okay, the answer is 45%. No. 45%. Yeah, over what period of time? Since 2021. But I mean, you know, you say that I should get a function of the world and so on. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but actually, this is really important. This is the issue of our times in a way. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is what inflation does. And it hurts people. You know, we're getting reports now of people who are giving their houses back to the banks yeah. just because they can't afford to keep up the repayments yeah, yeah. because inflation takes a bond repayment from barely manageable to completely impossible for a whole strata of South Africans. It's hard. It's hard. I think people gear themselves up to this sort of affordable limit when they're buying a house because it's seen as an asset of capital appreciation and all of those kinds of things. And it's an alternative to rent and so on. And it is yard worldwide. I mean, here's the even bigger issue. How do we deal with the fact that money can be extracted by law rather than by economics? For example, in Johannesburg, they're putting up the rates and taxes to collect money forcibly from us right. 
by overvaluing properties. That is, you know, almost force majeure. Okay. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yes, who yes, gives yes. you the right to come and willy nilly revalue my property so that you can collect more taxes on me because you've blown all the cash that you should have spent otherwise wisely? This notion of being able to force people to pay and this notion of governments actually presiding over economic equations is in itself a for fundamental questioning, if you ask me, because the drivers are just not the same. There's no alignment between the sort of forced transfers of money. But your inflation is a difficult conundrum because rampant inflation is also an enemy, but controlling inflation with interest rates is a blunt instrument. Tim, you keep on going above my pay grade here, man. Can we get to talk about <laughs> stuff that I know? No, no, no. Stop it now. Just on your politics point, I mean, it's, uh, that relates to something else that has been a discussion point over the past week because the Zimbabwean elections have come and gone. Here you have a, a situation in which for now 50 years, we are being asked to believe that the population of Zimbabwe has re-elected the government that, you know, inflicted on them hyperinflation not once, but, you know, on two separate occasions. And the question for South Africans or the questions that, you know, panicked South Africans like to ask is, is this our future? Do you think it's our future? They're the lead steer in this debate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me say this. Without exception, all invited, whether they were subsequently dismissed or not, foreign observer missions, the economists, all of these, you know, argue independently minded and objectively assessed opinions came out against it, saying they were neither free nor fair. Right. Our presidency released the following statement. The Republic of South Africa congratulates the government and the people of the Republic of Zimbabwe for organizing and holding the harmonized elections to elect the president, national assembly, and local government representatives. And there are even more flattering descriptions of our view as a country on their election. I've become convinced that there's this other force at play, which is not service to the public. It seems to me that political power is a shortcut to unearned wealth and, and sort of the ability to dictate the rules of wealth accumulation through procurement policies and rates and taxes and the like. Okay. And so here's the conundrum, Tim. Here's the equation that occurs to me. Politicians all want to become rich. And yet on the other side of the equation, all the rich people want to become politicians. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's, no, but it's, it's funny. I mean, there's an iPhone billionaire in Taiwan who's now running for president. Yes. It seems to me that money rather than people elects power. Now, that is so fundamentally flawed. No, I just wanted to make the point that if you were arguing that South Africa is heading Zimbabwe's direction, the argument against that would be two things. First of all, we have really good institutions. Our judiciary, our electoral system, you know, they're not nearly as degraded as the Zimbabwean counterparts. And that's because we have a constitution and we are governed by certain constitutional requirements. But the argument in favor of South Africa becoming more and more like Zimbabwe is precisely this that you're talking about. There comes a point at which the political party has to choose between the economy or staying in power. Mm. If the political party chooses, no, let's stay in power, <laughs> yeah, yeah. rather than let's do what's good for the economy, then you're into a different ballgame. And you do see elements of that in South Africa. Country deployment is one example of how the party is cementing its place within the social structure of South Africa, which is disadvantaging the economy. They are choosing their political requirements rather than what is economically sensible. Tim, I mean, there are not even boundaries to this thing. 
Trump is in prison and he's the front runner for the Republican nomination. <laughs> yes, Someone yes, who's yes, actually yes. still in prison has just won the Mali election. So criminal money politics, that triangle is anything but virtuous. And the currency of political persuasion seems to be downright lies. Yes. And the statements made around the world by ambitious politicians are lies with alacrity and impunity. And we sit there helplessly. And the curse of it all is that it's one dollar, one vote. Yes. Okay? Not one man, one vote. Not one person, one vote. One dollar, one vote. And I, as I grow older, uh, and I'm doing that with a lack of I've worked out that there are more valuable life currencies than money. Money will upset you and uh, disappoint you at some point in time. But it still rules. It rules whether you can get into a university. It rules whether you can become a professor at Oxford. It rules all of these kinds of things. And that would sort of be okay if everyone had to earn it. <laughs> but you don't have to earn it. Yes. Okay, you can steal it. Yes. So if you can steal power, then we're in trouble, hey? Yes. Anyway, those are my positive comments. Let's move on. Let's, <laughs> okay. I mean, I've got a number of the week for you, okay? Okay. I mean, at the risk of my repeating myself, 35-7, 35-7, we gave it to the audience. <laughs> but moving on, the latest Rolls-Royce, right? Okay, which is called the Rolls-Royce drop tail, whatever that means, is 5.3 meters long, okay? Difficult to double park. And it costs, wait for it, in Rand, guess how much it costs? Go on, the custom-made Rolls-Royce new one. Customers, uh, uh, in Rand. 10 million bucks. 10 million Rand. A 500 million Rand. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, 25 million pounds. Okay, that's what it'll cost you. It's amazing that you know that number because I always thought that if you ask the Rolls-Royce agent, how much does this car cost? He says, if you have to ask... You can't afford it. But I mean, it goes away. Someone paid 35 million for the rusted wreck of an old Ferrari, which is about a fifth of the price of a new one. Anyway, so, you know, the, the truth is money's become valueless. And, and my final comment, which I forgot to make on toilet paper, is that money is not different from toilet paper. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Its value is most apparent in its absence, not in its presence. Okay. Ah, very smart. <laughs> okay. I think we should end on that note because, you know, the dangers of going further down that particular path. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. All right, man. Look after yourself. Yeah. Next time. See you next week. Cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.